Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode If You Can't Handle The Truth You know, I've spent so long trying to find the motivation to record this episode It's been a few days since I've watched the film I, I just don't want to talk about it I just don't care Oh god, we're going to be talking about Eternals Okay, Eternals, the new Marvel film It's It's not good it's really not good, and I wish I wasn't saying this, I wish I could be more optimistic and happy and saying, oh, it's amazing, it's so refreshing, and it's the next step forwards for the universe, and it's an amazing entry into an already great franchise, but realistically, it's none of those things. It feels like a huge step back, and even though they're trying to be more progressive and trying to be more inclusive, which is all good, I've got no problem with that, but it's just a bad film. Okay, it's a bad film. So regardless of how it handles certain topics and certain characters and the diversity aspects, which is fine, like it's not great, but it's fine, there is no denying that within this film there are some good, like, well, kind of good moments, but it's just bad. Okay, it's a really bad general film. It's a huge failure to me, but... No, no, there's no but, there's no but to that. It's just a huge failure. It's a massive swing and a miss. Like, there is nothing that redeeming in it whatsoever. Like, you can look on Metacritic and look on Rotten Tomatoes. It's probably the lowest rated Marvel film in the cinematic universe. Definitely on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's joint bottom with Thor The Dark World on Metacritic. But with that in mind, there has been this debate. Is it the worst Marvel film? Is it the lowest of the low? And to be fair, even though it's not a hugely awful film, like it's a bad film, but it's not an awful film, I still think it is the worst. I think, hands down, I would rather watch anything else other than this again. And that's why I'm recording this on the, I don't even know what day it is, today, Monday? I saw it on Friday. That's been three days, that's mad. Is it Monday or is it Tuesday today? Okay, it's Monday, apparently it's Monday. So I'm recording this on Monday, I haven't seen it since the Friday. Usually, when a new Marvel film comes out, A, I'll love it, and B, I'll go and see it at least twice, maybe three times. I'll go at least two days in a row, maybe even twice on the one day, okay? I'm somebody that watched Endgame, what, five times opening day? That's a three-hour-long film, okay? That's mad. But this, I just don't want to watch again for the foreseeable future. Like, I just have no desire to watch it ever again, to be perfectly honest. It's just boring dull and rubbish that's what it is so yeah um spoiler review maybe i don't know i'm just gonna talk i'm gonna jump to what i loved about this film and what i loved is the post-credit sequence now i hate it how films recently they've been putting so much effort into making a bad film but setting up something great or setting up something in a post-credit scene that is very very good okay so the same thing happened with Dune, alright, Dune is not a great film, but what it sets up is fantastic, so the next stage is going to be epic. This is pretty much the same. This whole film, you spend two and a half hours watching a film that is just extremely dull, like nothing fun happens, <laughs> even though a lot of stuff that could be fun happens, I just found myself feeling no enjoyment in it whatsoever. Like, there's no excitement, there's no thrills, there's no stakes and tension, it's just nothing... So when you've got these celestial beings that are pretty much invincible, even though, yeah, spoiler alert, a lot of them die, I think three of them die, 
that's one good thing I liked about it because when I was just about to go and see it, I went to the bathroom and I was thinking to myself, even though they're celestials and supposedly can never die, I want at least three deaths. I want at least three people to die. And I was right, that's exactly the number of celestials that die. One of them kind of loses their powers, but three of them actually, well, two of them definitely die. One of them potentially kills himself. And the other one loses the powers. So, yeah, I was right about that. So, kudos there. That gets one point, I guess. The second point it gets is for the post-credit sequence. Now, even though it's not a good one, it features Jon Snow opening a chest and there's a sword in there, the Ebony Blade, which is pretty cool. Because, okay, a lot of people probably wouldn't know that Dane Whitman, the character that Jon Snow plays, is actually Black Knight in the comics. Like, when I first heard that he got cast in this film, when Kit Harrington, I'm just going to call him Jon Snow because he is... Okay, so when Jon Snow got cast in this film, everybody was saying, oh, it's Black Knight, it's Black Knight. So I was like, yeah, cool, I knew that. But then he doesn't actually become Black Knight until possibly the very end, maybe even in the next film, he actually takes up that mantle. But there's moments teased throughout that he's got a secret and he's got family issues and whatnot. Yeah, that's exactly what Black Knight has in the comics. So he opens up the box, the Ebony Blade is in there, which looks pretty cool, actually. I like what they've done with the design, with like kind of interactive stuff happening along the blade of it. I like that. Speaking of Blade, okay, what the hell? <laughs> Are you serious? They only go and tease slash introduce, just by his voice, Mahershala Ali as Blade. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Like, that right there, that had me shook in the cinema. I was like, oh my god, is that, that's Blade. Like, what? And it's crazy, because I've just watched in the last week, before watching this film, I watched Blade three times at the cinema. So, yeah, I love that film. I'd never seen it before until going to watch it at the cinema, and I bloody loved it. And for them to be introducing Blade in the final post credit scene of this film, that's just crazy. Okay, nobody was expecting that. Everybody had heard that Harry Styles was going to be teased in the mid credit scene, which, you know, that's kind of annoying because they just leaked it. They just spoiled it straight up. As soon as this film had its premiere, news outlets were just saying, oh, by the way, Harry Styles is in this universe now. Like, that should have been a surprise. Like, if that was a surprise, I can guarantee that probably would have been better. But knowing that before going into it, it just felt really lackluster to me, especially when you see the scene, because the scene is not good. The scene when he gets introduced is really bad. Like, it's not fun. It's not funny. It's not good. Like, it's not good at all. So before watching it, I was kind of like, okay, cool, Harry Styles. He's not a bad actor. Like, he was all right in Dunkirk. I'll happily see what he's like in this universe. I'll happily see what he can bring to this role. But after seeing the scene, I do not want anything to do with him in this universe because he does not look like he's a good fit for it at all. So, yeah, I'm a bit hesitant about everything going forward, which is a damn shame because, you know, after Shang-Chi, well, no, before Shang-Chi, yeah, I didn't really care for the universe going forward. I didn't really want it to continue, like, just end it with Endgame, finish it. Then Shang-Chi happened, and that was just phenomenal on a number of levels, like, honestly, best film of the year. But this has gone right back to square one. This has gone back to minus square one, because I do not care for any of these characters, any of these situations going forwards, especially what's teased in that mid credit scene, because I just don't care. I really do not give a damn about the fact that Harry Styles is now in this universe. Like, that would be cool. I thought that would be cool, but it's not. 
it's really not in the fact he's playing Eros, the fact he's playing Thanos' brother. Like, I know they're totally different characters. I know that. But I just don't see it being good. I don't see it being a good fit for what's going to happen next. So, yeah, I'm worried. I'm scared. I'm I'm not interested in what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm really not. But aside from that, I did pick up my attention when freaking Blade... Okay, Blade... <laughs> Can we just talk about this? Blade? I'm just going to speak through this whole review about the fact that Blade showed up. Like, what? <laughs> that is mental. I mean, he doesn't even show up. He just speaks. He's off screen. And I think he says something like, Are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Like, oh my god. As soon as that voice came on, I'm like, That's f***ing Mahershala. That is Mahershala Ali. That's Blade. Like, what? What? <laughs> that is crazy. So yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Blade. I don't really care about Jon Snow being in either Blade or in a future spin-off thing. Because I don't really care for his character. He gets sidelined for like 90% of this film. And that's probably the best thing to happen to him. Because at the start when he's in it, it's not good. <laughs> it's really not good. There's something going on with the performances in this film. And you know what I think it is? I think it's the actors. I think it's the cast that they've got. Some of them are TV actors, some of them are not movie stars, okay? Jon Snow being one of them, I would even argue Richard Madden, because I thought Richard Madden was a good actor prior to this, but Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> He's so bad in this. He's got about as much acting range as a plank of wood, and it's like watching paint dry on that plank of wood. It's horrendous. He's so bad in it. And I don't know what he's going for. I don't know if he's trying to be this like serious, brooding, monotone... I almost said villain, because he is actually a villain at the end. But like just character, like Superman figure. But I don't know. I don't know why he's so... So bad. Like Why he's so stale. It's honestly like a month-old piece of bread. He's a loaf. That's all he is in this film. He's a loaf of bread that's gone off. He's mouldy. He's stale. He's rubbish. Okay, he's terrible. His character is just Superman, so that's already a good thing. And, I mean, let's talk about his ending, Icarus. His name's Icarus. What the hell do you think happens to Icarus? Now, if you know the legend of Icarus, he flew too close to the sun, he got his wings clipped, whatnot. He flies into the sun. Like, could there be any more on the nose? <laughs> like, really? As this scene was happening, I was just laughing. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> Did they actually do that? Did they actually just think, oh hang on, this guy's name is Icarus, you know what, for his death scene, let's just have him, let's just have him fly into the sun, you know, let's have a, a metaphor, it's a, it's a powerful symbol, come on, <laughs> that is so stupid, so is he dead, is he not dead, I don't even know, because, you know, in this universe, anybody can supposedly die, but they come back, so... Icarus flying into the sun, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back as freaking Silver Surfer, brings Galactus with him, because that seems to be what this film is setting up, Like, and especially when you look at it with the post-credit scene, with the mid-credit scene of Shang-Chi, with that beacon being sent out somewhere, I'm pretty sure Galactus is coming, like, I'm hesitant to say anybody other than Galactus is what's going to happen next, that's the big thing in the MCU, so we had this... Judge Arisham, or Arisham the Judge, whatever he's called, in this film, who's this pretty, pretty mega, I don't know if he's a villain, but pretty mega character, right, massive, but 
Galactus has got to come. Galactus has got to come. So that could be cool. That should be cool. But if these characters are in it, I couldn't care less, to be perfectly honest. I really, really could not care less. So should we talk about the characters? I don't even know. I can't remember them. There's about 10 new celestial characters that are introduced in this film. That is about 10 too many, to be perfectly honest, because I do not care for them. They all... At least they all have individual abilities, like I kind of respect that. But at the same time, they're all extremely forgettable and they don't really have that many chances to shine by themselves. It's more of just, well, I know it's more of a collective experience, like they're all just working together. But at the same time, when you're introducing 10 new characters into this universe, the 26th movie into this universe, and you're introducing 10 new major characters that have been around for thousands of years... They need to be more original, they need to be more unique, and have moments to shine for themselves. But they just don't. They really don't. A few of them do, a few of them do, but a lot of them don't, and a lot of them are just, eh, cool, that's interesting, see you later. So we've got, let's go through them, I'm not going to do them in any particular order, I'm just going to do them in any order that I can actually remember them in. So we've got the leader, kind of, well, there's two leaders, Cersei, right, played by Gemma Chan, who... You know what, for a lot of this film, I was just thinking, she's just still in humans. She's still in humans mode. She's an android. She's trying to gain consciousness. The scene right at the start that she's in, when she's in London for the first time, she's looking around Piccadilly Circus, and she fully looks like an android. And I was just left there thinking, am I watching an extended episode of Humans here? Because she looks like she's giving exactly the same performance as she did in that show. And it's funny, I got home after watching the film opened up Facebook, and there was an article about how Chloe Zhao, the director, was casting these actors based on how they most represent their characters. So they cast the people that would be most likely to play those characters, exactly like Gemma Chan, and they even referenced and name-dropped humans. So I was just thinking, why are you just typecasting in this film? <laughs> like You're trying to be this amazing next-level evolutionary step in the Marvel Universe, but you're resorting to typecasting for every single character. That's not good. That's really not good. So, yeah, you've got Cersei, played by Gemma Chan, who, she's fine, she's okay, I guess. I like her as an actor. She's already been in Captain Marvel, though, so are we going to talk about how Marvel just keep reusing the same actors? Because DC have done it a ton. They've done it too much, but now Marvel is getting into that realm, and it's worrying. I feel like there's so many other actors that could play characters, but they're just not giving them the chance. They're just casting people that have already been in it before, but trying to give them a second shot of redemption. Why? Like, why? We don't need that. We don't need that redemption for them. They've had their shot. That's it. They're done. But no, we're getting Gemma Chan back in it. She's fine. Cersei. That's number one. Number two, uh, Icarus. So Richard Madden. Terrible. I don't even know what else to say. He's just Superman, but without a cape. And... He's bad, so yeah, it's not good. He's so stale, so, so stale. It's crazy. It's honestly ridiculous. It was baffling to me how bad he is in this film. And their relationship they have with each other, Cersei and Icarus, I just don't care for. And there's been all that talk about how this is the first Marvel film with a proper love scene in it, but it's not good. Okay, it's about 20 seconds long, and it's just pointless. Like There is no need for it. There is no development in it whatsoever. And it's really awkward, like, it's genuinely just weird. I was expecting something nice and romantic, you know, just go back to her house, have it in a bed or whatnot. They're just on some rocks, they're in the middle of Iraq, 
on some rocks and sand and it's just pointless. So yeah, I didn't see any logical reason for having that in there and it's not a groundbreaking thing for a Marvel to have this in there. It's just pointless. Anyway, next character, uh, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh? Yeah, I think that's his name. He was probably the best character in this film and then he goes and gets killed off. So that's genius move right there. That is just fantastic to see. Yeah, I'm just, I'm honestly bitter about that because... I was liking his development the most, and he was kind of bringing a, a good comic relief. Okay, you've got Kumail Nanjiani in this film, who is normally pretty funny, but I didn't like him in this film. Okay, and a lot of people are liking him, a lot of people are saying that he's the best part of this film. I could agree with that, I could say that he is probably the best part, but that's not saying much, because this film sucks. But, he is not as good as he usually is, so I love him in everything from... The Big Sick, to Stuba even, that's a good film, like, Stuba is a genuinely funny film. Everything else he's good in, okay, except for Men in Black International 2, yeah, forget that film. Anyway, he's not good in this, but the funniest part of this film is definitely Gilgamesh. Like, when he's having this banter between the other characters, he's probably, yeah, he's probably the funniest part, and then he goes and dies, so, yeah, not happy about that, not happy about that at all. But I like his relationship with Thena, who's the next character, played by Angelina Jolie, who is basically a cameo in this. She's not in it much. She doesn't really have a lot to do. She is, yeah, she's a waste of space. She's wasted in the film, but she is arguably a waste of space. So, yeah, forget that. Forget it. She's kind of a warrior. Okay, the thing is, there's five. It's the five of each. I think there's five warriors and there's five like, Brainiac people, so five people do the fighting, five people stay behind and use their brains, um, she's one of the fighters, she, yeah, that's, I don't know, she's just in it, that's all I can say, she's in it, um, she has a bit of tension, like, she's kind of, what do they say, Mad Weary, is that the name of it, she has this demon thing, I don't even know what it is, to be honest, <laughs> she has this, disease that takes over her and tries to sabotage the team i don't know i don't know anyway she turns evil but then she's actually good and then she goes and pretty much gets gilgamesh killed so way brilliant fantastic anyway after athena athena it's not even athena it's athena dropped a you know it's athena after athena you've got sprite now you know there are so many times when people are just shouting sprite in this film and I can't help but think, could they not have named it anything other than a drink? Because it's just like shouting Coke, or it's like shouting, Dr. Pepper! You know, just people shouting Sprite! You know, it's so stupid, I hate it. And I think that's why I don't like Jon Snow in this film, because he just keeps saying it, and he's saying it in that stupid accent that he's got. He's like, why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Sprite! Like, Thanos, really? Thanos? Are you serious? Sprite! Oh, it's stupid. So yeah, Sprite, she, um... Okay, they actually mention and they reference Peter Pan in this film to do with Sprite being Tinkerbell and Icarus being Peter Pan. But surely she is Peter Pan because she can never grow up. Okay, she is constantly a kid and she has to create, like, illusions to make herself seem older. But yeah, that's all she does. She just casts projections of herself. But she never ages, so surely... She's Peter in this scenario. But no, apparently she's Tinkerbell. And she's got a thing for Richard Madden, which I'm glad they didn't expand on further because that was very dodgy to think about. And yeah, that almost got to 
safeguarding issues, but luckily nothing ever happens between Richard Madden and this 14-year-old girl. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah, Sprite's Sprite, whatever. Next character, let's go for Kamel. Um, he plays Kingo, and he is a Bollywood movie star, and that's about it. He has finger guns, which is pretty cool. I like that. That's probably my favourite um, weapon or kind of power that somebody has. The fact that he can literally shoot, like, balls of fire out of his fingers. I like that. Okay, I like that a lot because, you know, it's just like the classic thing you did when you were kids, like, pretending to be cowboys or whatever. Like, just using your fingers, like, bang, 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 bang. But now he can literally shoot stuff out of his fingers. Like, that's pretty dope. I like that. But... Yeah, he's just wasted in this film as well. Like every single character, every single major actor that could be good is wasted. You know, similarly to Angelina Jolie, he's wasted. He's this comic relief that isn't even funny. He's got this unfunny valet with him the whole time. Like, the whole time. I thought it would just be a funny little thing during the Bollywood scene, which, by the way, it's not even good. Like, when they first announced this film... Few things started getting rumoured, few things started getting announced, saying this film was going to have the first major Bollywood scene, and I was expecting something a lot better, because having watched a couple of Bollywood stuff during my first year at university, I thought, you know, this could be quite good, this could be pretty interesting, actually. You know, have a nice big song and dance number. But no, it's rubbish. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just stale and boring. I really didn't like it, and that was kind of the one thing this film... Like, kind of had me excited for, but nope, nothing, absolutely nothing during that scene. So, I didn't like his character, I didn't like his influence in it. He has no rapport with any of the characters whatsoever. There's no chemistry between any of these freaking characters. It's crazy. When you've got ten major characters, and, like, arguably ten major actors as well, there's no chemistry. There is no chemistry whatsoever. So, yeah, Kingo in it, he's not good, but he's... I don't even know. I don't know. He just disappears. Okay, here's the thing I can't get over. During the final battle, he disappears. He just leaves. And he never comes back. And I was thinking, okay, maybe he'll come back when everybody's, like, struggling. And he'll be there to save everybody. No. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen at all. He's just gone. He leaves. That, that's it. And then he comes back right at the end randomly with no mention of it whatsoever like there's no reference to him leaving and what they've been getting up to about saving the world from this giant celestial that's about to emerge from the earth and explode it all like there is no mention whatsoever about where kingo's been or why he ditched them there's nothing so that's so so strange like, honestly it's baffling to me so yeah i just didn't like his development i didn't like his character and i didn't like his development at all he's not funny he's not interesting but he does have some cool guns. I like that. That's all I can say about his character. Uh, the next character, who should we talk about? Uh, I think there's four. Yeah, there's four left. Fastos. So Fastos is played by Brian Tyree Henry. And Fastos is the first major gay character and gay superhero in the cinematic universe. So this should be a big step. This should be a big leap for representation, for inclusion, for whatever. But I don't know. I don't know if it is. I mean, to be fair, it's good. It's good in terms of its representation. 
Like there is a large presence for him when he finally gets into it, which felt like about an hour and a half into the film until he finally gets introduced properly. But I don't know. I really don't know how to talk about that part because I don't know if Brian Tyree Henry is gay himself. So are we just looking at another Jungle Cruise scenario? Are we looking at another Jack Whitehall situation where we're just getting straight actors to play gay roles? Like I don't understand how that's good for inclusion. But I don't think Brian Tyree Henry has come out as not being gay, so maybe it's okay. But I still don't think that's particularly good for Disney. Like, I personally don't mind. Like, anybody can play anybody. It's an acting job, okay? The role of an actor is to become somebody they're not, so fair enough, that is totally fine. But when Disney are trying to praise themselves, saying, oh, look what we've done, oh, look at this, we're brilliant, we're being so inclusive but then they're still not casting actual gay actors. Like, it seems a bit... It seems a bit cheap, you know, from Disney's perspective. So, yeah, unsure about that. But his role in it is fine. Like, he's okay. But there's such a funny bit. But it's not funny. I thought it would be funnier. (laughs) I know that sounds bad. But there's a bit when he's kind of the whole tech genius of the group. Okay, he powers the development forwards and he gives the humans these technological advancements and helps propel them forwards and he's kind of the reasoning behind the bomb that went off at Hiroshima (laughs) and so he's grieving over that it's not funny it's not funny but it kind of is so he's grieving over the fact that he's blaming himself for the Hiroshima bomb And so, yeah, he's just kind of angry at himself and he disassociates himself from humanity after that happened. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, it's just one of these things that it doesn't need to be that. It really doesn't. The whole film, okay, I haven't even talked about the film itself, but it takes place through two sort of narratives. There's one that's going through all the modern day stuff and then there's another one going through everything in history. So going through when they first came to Earth 7,000 years ago then go through all different ages and different civilizations and whatnot. And then the most recent one in the past was uh, 1945 with Hiroshima. But it just feels like the the pacing and the structure is all wrong. It's all out of line and it's whack. Okay, just it's not interesting. It's not fun. It's not an effective way of crafting a story like this with characters we've never seen before, but trying to get us interested in these characters that aren't interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But Fastos, he blames himself for Hiroshima, which is pretty funny. But then when they go to see him in the modern day, he's gay and he's with his husband and child. And the one thing that I noticed is the fact that Brian Tyree Henry is acting significantly more when he's trying to be gay, which is fine because that is acting. I do not mind that. But it does beg the question, are they just trying to play up to how a stereotypical viewpoint would look like that? And how... He's wearing two earrings as well, which is pretty funny. I found that quite entertaining, actually. But, yeah, I mean, his character is fine. His character is okay. But there's no real development here. There's no development at all. It's a really shallow film when it comes to the characters. There's so many characters that could be developed, but they're just shallow. Okay, there is no major interest in any of them, except for maybe Cersei and a little bit of Icarus. But he's just wooden as hell, so it's pointless. But anyway, three more characters. I'll do one separately, then I'll join the next two together because I want to quickfire this. But the next one is Ajak, played by Salma Hayek, who dies very early on. So that's a big spoiler. But 
yeah, I thought she'd be in it throughout. So fair enough, they you know defied expectations. They killed her off pretty early. Um, but she is there for flashbacks, and she is there for a little bit of revelations towards the end. But yeah, she dies, and it's kind of a waste because she's a good actor, and she's wasted in this film. So I keep saying that, but everybody's wasted in this goddamn film. It's just annoying. But either way, Ajax, she's kind of the leader before she gets killed off anyway. So yeah, that's that's all I can say about her. Nothing else really happens. And then the last two, you've got Druig and you've got my opinions with an M. Makari, I think it's Makari actually. Makari, she's a death speedster, which is pretty interesting. But again, no character development at all. Like, come on, this is a film. It's got one of the first South Asian superheroes, one of the first deaf superheroes, one of the first gay superheroes, and none of them are developed. <laughs> so it's like Disney have gone, you know what, we're good. We're just going to have it on the surface level. This is good for inclusion. This is good for the next step forwards. You know, who cares about developing them? We don't care. We don't need that. You do. You do. <laughs> You really do. But they don't. They don't do anything with them. So Druig and Makari, they are kind of... Are they a couple? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It seems a bit weird because it feels like they're trying to be a thing. They're trying to be a couple, but it never really goes anywhere. So it's kind of just... I don't know. It's unnecessary. It's really unnecessary. Like, they could just be platonic friends, but no, they have to be... I don't know, trying to be something more, like, why? I don't know, I don't get it, but she's cool, like, she can run really fast, and what I really like about this is the fact that, you know, in every other film, when there's a speedster, it always goes into slow motion, so Justice League has it, the X-Men films has it, all of that stuff, whenever it goes into speedster mode, everything else slows down, like, with them, but in this film, she is just, like, speeding throughout, like, there is no slow motion used, which is a good thing about Marvel anyway, they rarely do slow motion, but when it comes to her speeding scenes, there is just a constant flow. You know, it's not a slow down, which I like. I respect that. It's original. It's unique. It's cool. But she's just wasted still. Like, she's not necessary for this at all. It's not necessary that she's deaf. That's the problem. Like, I'm all for them casting an actual deaf actor and having some representation for sign language on screen. Like, I'm all the more happy to be reading subtitles and to be having this inclusive nature about it. You know, just look at any other film recently. There's been a lot of deaf characters and deaf performances that require reading subtitles. So I love that. I love that so much. But there is nothing in this film that suggests the need for that to happen. Like, at all. So, yeah, it just felt incredibly, incredibly weird. Like, there is no need for that. But anyway, Druig, her boyfriend, her friend, I don't know. I don't know what he is. But played by Barry Keoghan, who is a good actor, but he's just not good in this and he's just got this really dodgy irish accent that you can't understand a word he says for half of it it's crazy there is a bit in particular which is just hilarious i was honestly laughing in the cinema it was a really serious bit but i couldn't help but laugh because his accent is just so dodgy it's hilarious so he was saying something like we trusted you for seven thousand years and look where it got us we've watched humans destroy a shower he honestly says a char a <laughs> Each horror. He doesn't say each other. He says each horror. <laughs> we watched humans destroy each horror. So yeah, I just can't deal with his accent in this film. I can't deal with his performance. I can't deal with his character. 
I can't deal with anything. I can't deal with this character. I just can't. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't, I don't get this film. That's all the characters. Like, thankfully I've made it through. There's a villain too, by the way. <laughs> there is a villain in it, but can't even remember his name. Crow? I think his name's Crow, which I'm kind of annoyed because I could place the actor's name playing him towards the end. But I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't reach for his name. And when the credits came up and it said Bill Skarsgård, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it was... So you've got Pennywise the Clown playing Crow, and, oh God, it annoys me so much because Bill Skarsgård is a good actor. He's a very, very strong actor, and he's reduced to a role that you can't even recognise him in, or you can't even remember his goddamn name. So, yeah, love that. Love that for him so much. He'll be the next Marvel actor to come back in a different film and play somebody completely different, trust me. So, yeah. Can't wait for that, can't wait for that at all, but yeah, Crow in this film, the villain, he's not, he's not good, I can't remember him, he's just this deviant that keeps evolving, and yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but either way, he's like the, is he a main villain, secondary villain? Throughout the film he's kind of the main villain, but then he turns into the secondary villain when Icarus becomes the main villain, but uh, yeah, there's a bit of a fight, um... The action sequences are dull, the script is atrocious, like the script is really bad to be fair, the script is awful. The pacing of it all is just whack. The directing, there's nothing special about Chloe Zhao directing at all. Like I was expecting some gorgeous shots, I was expecting some really fluid camera movements and whatnot. There's not, and there's none of that, there's a little tiny bit of a one take. And then, no, nothing, nothing else happens from that. The cinematography is just, I don't know, lacklustre. It opens really strongly. Like, there's a really nice shot of the sun to open with. And then it all just goes downhill from there. But, I mean, right at the start, it really confused me. Because the very, very, very first thing that happens in this film are credits. Like, credits scrolling, like, telling you about what this world is and whatnot. So it's got, like, I can't even remember them. But you know how, like, Star Wars has it and Blade Runner kind of has it? 2049, that is. So, the Eternals were a celestial being, blah blah blah, sent to us 7,000 years ago to protect against the Deviants. So all these things are just emboldened and capitalised in a scrolling credit sequence that has not been a thing in the Marvel Universe before this. And I can't imagine it's going to be a thing after this. So I don't understand why. Like, they're trying to make it so different, but I'm all for change, I'm all for breaking the norm and not being of a similar structure to the previous Marvel films, but this is just, it's just bad. Like, it could have worked. This could have worked in any other scenario. Like, if you're having that scrolling credits at the start, that could have worked, but for this, it just doesn't. Like, what you're reading is boring, what you're about to watch is boring. There's no need for that whatsoever. Like, the fact that that hasn't been a thing before, why all of a sudden make it a thing now? Like, there is difference, and then there is difference, and this is just difference, this is bad, this is a tonal change of completely the wrong order. You could easily balance it to be different, to be breaking the boundaries and breaking the norms, absolutely, but this is not it, this is far from it. This film is trying to be different, this film is trying to be something new, something fresh, something unique in the Marvel Universe, however, it's just so unfunny, it hurts at times, so there are so many jokes they just do not land. They do not land at all. There's a few comic moments when, like, a ringtone goes off, and they just get interrupted, and she's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not funny. Okay, that's not funny. There's no need for that to be there. Another time, when she's on her phone, and she shows Icarus this freaking filter thing that makes him look older. 
Why? Why is that in there? It's so out of place and so out of order in this type of film. It makes no sense it being there whatsoever. It's so pointless. It hurts. It, honestly, it's so unfunny. I just can't. I can't deal with it. Why? Towards the end, it turns into yet another typical end-of-the-world scenario. They've got to save the day. They've got to save the whole world. Like, why? I know these guys are cosmic eternals and celestials and whatnot, but come on, we've seen it a thousand times before. And what's happening? When is this happening? Like, when is this happening? Because a giant celestial is coming out of the Earth and it's, like, really about to just cause it all to explode. Where the hell is everybody else and what are they doing whilst this is happening? Because now there's a giant frozen celestial half out of the Earth in the middle of the ocean, wherever it is, I don't even know. It's just some random location by a volcano, let's call it Vesuvius, back in Pompeii, Pompeii 2.0. Just a massive celestial is cracking out of the Earth. Are people going to notice this? Are people going to understand this? Like, what is going on? When the Avengers and stuff was happening, apparently the Eternals knew, but they didn't interact, they didn't interfere. But now when this is happening for the Eternals, does everybody else know? And are they just leaving it? What's going on? What is going on? (laughs) Something needs to be explained, because there are so many plot holes, but I just can't get over the extremely dodgy CGI that happens in that final battle. It's atrocious, it's so, so bad. So yeah, I didn't enjoy it, didn't enjoy it at all. In terms of representation for the characters, Again, not it. Like This feels like it's just having it for the sake of having it. Whereas if they were doing it for an actual good cause, and if they were actually meaningful in why they were choosing characters that had these certain traits and had these certain personality types, I would understand. I would happily understand that, but this film doesn't have it. This film just has it for the sake of having it, so it sucks. It's really, really bad. I mean, everything else, just nothing. Like I said, the fight scenes are pretty lacklustre. And the score, the score is not good either. This score is done by a very, very, very good composer. Okay, Ramin Jawadi, he's a very, very good composer. He's done Westworld, he's done Game of Thrones. Like, come on, he's responsible for the Light of the Seven theme in Game of Thrones. That's incredible. That is an astonishing piece of music. But this film has nothing going for it when it comes to the score. I think the only bit of the score I actually liked was during the end credits, and I was just thinking, why wasn't this used throughout the rest of it? Why wasn't it as strong as it is now? I don't understand. I really don't understand. You've got a very, very solid composer, and yeah, it's just going back to the typical Marvel ways of having a very, just a very boring score. Like, Shang-Chi is one of the few that breaks that norm completely and shatters it because it's an incredible, incredible score. This is not it. This is going back to the way it used to be. So, yeah, ultimately, it's trying to be something different, but it ends up being just exactly the same in so many different areas and so much worse. It's so much worse in every other aspect. I would happily watch Iron Man 2 rather than this. I would happily watch Thor 2 rather than this. Ant-Man 2 even as well. Ant-Man and the Wasp is not a good film, but, God, it's better than this. It's 100% better than this. So, yeah, this is just lacking that Marvel pizzazz. This is lacking that Marvel excitement and interest and intrigue. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's I don't know what's happened. I really don't know what's happened with this film, but it's just not good. It's really not, and I wish it was. I was kind of looking forward to it, but yeah, evidently not. Just go and watch Shang-Chi again. Go and watch Shang-Chi. It's ten times better than this, thousand times better than this even. And there's a bit, there's a bit in this film when they're all trying to create this bond to help defeat the celestial and they come up with this idea to create these rings and i was just sat there thinking 
This is turning into Shang-Chi. <laughs> Why? Why are they creating these ten rings? Because there's ten of them as well. I think they were making eight, actually. Because, I mean, two of them were dead at this point, and then Kingo just disappeared. So, yeah, they were making about eight or seven, I don't know. Either way, they were making a bunch of rings to help force them together and link to each other. And that just felt exactly like what we'd watched in Shang-Chi with the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, yeah, I don't get it. I thought, oh, are they going to tie it in? Oh, my God, is this going to tie in? Are these ten rings the same ten rings? No. No, they are not. They are just a separate ten rings that have nothing going for them. They create this thing called the Unimind. Is that what it's called? The Unimind? But the thing is, they say that's a terrible name. But they still call it that. They still call it the Unimind when it's a shocking bad name. So I just don't understand. I do not understand why they do so many of these things in the movie where they know it's bad. They know it's like changing stuff. But they go with it anyway. So yeah, the direction is just crazy. Like direction is not good at all. Um, decisions made. There's no logic, okay? So I'm all for movies being different. I'm all for movies being you know, kind of inclusive and exploring these different avenues to go down. But there's a difference between going against the grain and breaking the norm and just being completely devoid of any f***ing logic whatsoever. And unfortunately, or maybe not unfortunately because I just don't care anymore, this film is just completely devoid of any logic whatsoever. So, yeah, things happen with no logical reason, no explanation, there's just nothing, just nothing whatsoever happens. God, it's so boring. Two and a half hours, nothing fun happens, nothing interesting happens. I fully can't remember it. And the funny thing is, okay, on the Friday when I went to see it, in the morning, I woke up, I made some dough, I was making some cinnamon rolls, so I had to make the dough first. I left it to prove while I went out to the cinema, and then I thought, when the dough is having its second prove in the afternoon, I'll review the film. As I was doing it, I completely forgot what happened in the whole film. So just in a matter of hours after watching this film, I'd completely forgotten it. And in fact, now I still can't remember pretty much 90% of the film. So yeah, all I can remember is that stupid Unimind, the stupid accent, the stupid stale acting from Richard Madden. Almost everything is just gone, except for the fact that Blade is coming. <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah, I'm hyped for that. I'm hyped for Blade. But yeah, either way, that's the most exciting part of this film. The very, very, very last thing that happens. The very last thing of the very last credit scene is Blade. That's the most exciting part of this film. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it, I guess. Um, I wouldn't even recommend watching it. That's the thing, especially at the cinema. Wait until it's on Disney+. Plus in i don't know maybe by christmas who knows by the way christmas is coming i'm gonna start doing some christmas reviews i don't care i'm so excited for christmas let's go excited for christmas excited for blade cannot wait i'm honestly done with eternals characters are stupid the plot is dumb development is rubbish development is just not there non-existent whatsoever lackluster villain lackluster score lackluster directing like it doesn't even feel like a closure film it does not feel like it's a closure film at all so yeah, I don't even know what else to say. Eternals, massive, massive swing and a miss for Marvel. The first dud in the cinematic universe, I'm calling it. It's not good. So, Rotten Tomatoes, that score is right. I think it's got about 48%. That's hilarious. That is absolutely right. It's better than Venom 2, 100% better than Venom 2. But it's still bad. 
it's still a bad film. It's just, yeah, bottom of my list for the Marvel Cinematic Universe ranking, I believe. While it's not a terrible, terrible film, it's still not a good film. And when there's not anything good going for it, you just notice the bad stuff. So, yeah, bad film. Didn't enjoy it. Did not like it. Hope everybody else does, I guess. I hope people do find enjoyment out of it. But I struggle to think who this movie is actually for. Because it doesn't really feel like it's for kids. It doesn't really feel like it's for fans of the universe already. Just doesn't really feel like it's for anybody. So, yeah. Very, very strange. Very strange. Either way, we'll see what happens next. I don't really care if these characters never come back again. And you know what? They've actually been saying that there hasn't been a sequel in line for this film. This could be just a standalone film. I sincerely hope it is. I sincerely hope this is the start and the end of the franchise of Eternals. So, yeah. Hopefully we're done with it. I do not think I'll watch it again at the cinema. I do not think I'll watch it again for a very long time. Maybe once more. I don't know. I really can't be bothered. Didn't enjoy it. Did not enjoy it at all. But this happens. You win some, you lose some. Can't like everything, unfortunately. Wish you could, but no, definitely not. Either way, I've been Kieran, and I shall speak to you in the next episode of now, I've just finished recording the non-spoiler review, and I realised I hadn't even mentioned the CGI in this, and goddamn, I don't even know where to slot this in, so I'm probably just going to stick it right at the end. But the CGI, Christ alive, man. The CGI is atrocious. Like, it's bad, and then it just gets bad, like, really bad, and so much CGI is used in the final scene. It's like, everything is just plastic. It's almost like an animated film. There is no real humans whatsoever. It's just CGI Angelina Jolie, CGI Brian Taylor Henry, CGI villain, CGI everything. It's just CGI. It's a mess. It's a complete bombardment of CGI that does not need to be there. And it's honestly painful to the eyes. Like It's noticeable. That's the problem. Usually CGI can be used very well if it's not noticeable. Like Shang-Chi did it. Even though those rings are fully CGI... They look real, and they feel real, they feel amazing, but this, jeez, <laughs> this is so bad, it's so dodgy, it's like 90s CGI, and especially after watching Blade, Blade did it better, <laughs> 1998 Blade did it so much better, the CGI and the editing in this film, I could not stand, could not stand at all, it's just poor, two things I want to mention, while I'm on the subject of the very final battle, it's a hilarious moment. It's so funny. Sprite is confronting Cersei. She's not letting her get past, about to go and destroy the big celestial thing. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere comes Druig, just clobbers her in the back of the head with a rock. So I'm pretty sure that's child abuse. And it's just so dumb. It's so stupid. I could not believe that actually happened. The only way for Cersei to get out of harm's way was for a random side character to come back after supposedly being killed and clobbers Sprite, a child, in the back of the head with a rock. Like, these are Celestials, these are Eternals, these are gods, pretty much. And she got hit in the head with a rock. <laughs> God, it's stupid, it's so stupid. But that about sums up how exciting this film is, just hitting kids in the head with rocks. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic gotta love it <laughs> they reference batman and superman in this film so yeah is dc now a thing in the mcu like what's going on what's happening here i don't get it no mention whatsoever in any of the previous films um yeah <laughs> all of a sudden they mention alfred being the butler of batman and then 
the little kid that's the son of Brian Terry Henry's character, he says Icarus is Superman. But then Icarus says that he doesn't wear a cape. So, yeah, why why do they know who these characters are now? They haven't known about them before, so why now? This film is trying to be so many different things, trying to be so original, trying to be so unique. It just makes no sense. Like I said, it's devoid of logic. I don't understand. I hate it. I just want to cry. I just want to watch all the other DC films that are ten times better than this because that's saying something, okay? That really is saying something. Just watch Aquaman. Watch Aquaman, then watch Justice League, like the Snyder Cut, because that's ten times better film than this. So, yeah. Go watch those. Don't watch this again. Don't ever watch this. Forget it. Just leave it. Just forget about it, honestly. Forget about it. Just leave it. Yeah, whatever. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm so done. It's just unfunny, unfocused, unoriginal, stupid, boring, dull, rubbish, nonsense. That's what it is. Eternal's right there in a nutshell. And it's two and a half hours. Why? Why is it this long? It doesn't need to be. Anyway, yeah, I'm done. Until Spider-Man. I don't think there's any more Marvel stuff. I mean, Hawkeye, TV show of Hawkeye is coming out at the end of the month. That should be, that should be good to be fair. I'm actually excited for that. I am looking forward to that, but... Spider-Man in just over a month's time. And yeah, until then, I shall speak to you in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.